Here's a flash from the Medved Show, a flash sale. We just added a 50% off opportunity to getting an annual basic Medhead subscription. Now that makes it just $29.95 per year. That breaks out to $2.50 per month. Go to promo code MEDHEAD at michaelmedved.com. That's michaelmedved.com, the promo code MEDHEAD. And now, America's number one show on pop culture and politics. This is the Michael Medved Show. And another great day in this greatest nation on God's green earth, where one of the great institutions in this great nation that many of us care about very deeply is the GOP, the Grand Old Party, the Republican Party, a party that was organized in order to advance one of the great causes of all time is the limitation and ultimately the abolition of slavery. Uh, the GOP today is in the midst, says Tom Nichols, in a devastating piece in Atlantic Magazine, uh, the GOP today is involved in an ongoing moral surrender. And uh, conservative Republicans, he says, continue to abandon decency uh, in order to defend Trump. Uh, Tom Nichols is a professor emeritus of national security affairs at the U.S. Naval War College, where he taught for 25 years. He has served as a legislative aide in the Massachusetts House and in the U.S. Senate. He writes about international security, nuclear weapons, and the challenges to democracy in the United States and around the world. His books include The Death of Expertise and Our Own Worst Enemy, The Assault from Within on Modern Democracy. And he is also, I might add, and I didn't realize this, he is a five-time undefeated Jeopardy champion. Uh, congratulations on that, Tom, and, and happy to <laughs> hear you. of your success. Okay, when you talk about moral surrender, uh, Peggy Noonan wrote a f terrific book about the Reagan administration, uh, meaning, and the title was When Character Was King. Uh, does character still count? Integrity still count in today's Republican Party? Um, I'm almost tempted to ask you if that's a trick question, um, <laughs> given, I mean, <laughs> thank you. Thank you for that softball. Uh, right. the answer is no, it clearly doesn't. Um, and it's, and it's really a remarkable turnaround because when you think back, um, you know, as you and I are both old enough to do, you know, 30 years ago, the, when the Republican argument about Bill Clinton was that, yes, he may be smart and he was, you know, a moderate Southern governor, but he simply does not have the character to sit, you know, behind the desk of, of uh, Ronald Reagan and Abraham Lincoln and James Madison. It just doesn't, you know, it's just not acceptable. That's all gone. Um, basically, Republicans now couldn't care less about character. They don't care about any kind of um, you know, gross or vulgar immorality. And the, when confronted by it, the only answer they have is to say, well, Democrats do it too. You know, they, they bring up Hunter Biden or they try to, um, you know, somehow um, cast Joe Biden in a, in a similar light. And it's, it's really a pathetic thing to see because the Republicans once led on that and that they've collapsed on it completely. 
Well, the, the answer that, that I have heard more regularly is not uh, that the Democrats are even worse. It is that the old Republicans, the Republicans like uh, the first President Bush and the second President Bush, and even President Reagan, uh, and, and certainly Mitt Romney and John McCain and others, they weren't fighters. They wouldn't fight. They wouldn't get down and, and uh, uh, put themselves on the line. And uh, the one thing about Trump that people always say that they love is that he won't take no for an answer. He is a fighter. He is dogged in his opposition to liberalism. Isn't that what most Republicans today say they want? I think that's a load of nonsense, honestly. Uh, first of all, Trump does not fight. We have you know, multiple times when um, things aren't in his interest, um, including, um, you know, during his time as president, um, he simply abandons them, including people as well. Donald Trump has one overriding belief that everything in the world should be to the benefit and for the defense of Donald Trump. He cares nothing about liberalism or conservatism. You know, people forget the guy was a Democrat for years. Um, right in the beginning of Bob Woodward's book, when Steve Bannon says, well, you were pro-life or you were pro-choice. He says, fine, I'll be pro-life. He says, but you gave all this money to Democrats. Well, I'll give a lot of money to Republicans. He doesn't care about any of that stuff. And I think it's really uh, a calumny. It's really a smear on other Republican presidents to say that they didn't fight. Um, anybody who was alive during Ronald Reagan's first term and saw the, the changes, whether you like them or not, whether you're a liberal or conservative, um, people like Ronald Reagan and George uh, Bush and George W. Bush, the, these were consequential presidencies that involved a lot of hand-to-hand -hand combat on Capitol Hill. When people say that Trump fights, it means that he is a, an offensive loudmouth who will insult anyone. <laughs> That's all it means. It's not that's not that that's a child's view of fighting. That's not what that's not standing on principle and fighting for what you believe in and, you know, putting your your career on the line to do things that you think are important. That's what adults do. Children stand in the schoolyard and call everybody stupid and ugly and silly and bad. And and unfortunately, that's what I think a lot of Republicans, that's all they care about because they just want to see someone yell at people they don't like. Um, but but the idea that Trump's a fighter and other Republicans wasn't, I think, is not only insulting to a lot of Republican presidents and, and leaders. I mean, the idea that John McCain wasn't a fighter is just such a silly <laughs> sentence that, you know, it's almost impossible to parse a sentence like that. It's just so dumb. Um, okay, and, and it, but it's what, what about the idea? What about the idea? And, and again, this is something else that people will bring up to defend President Trump. He uh, appointed two, uh, uh, three constitutionalist members of the Supreme Court. He uh, appointed um, uh, Brett Kavanaugh and Neil Gorsuch and Amy Comey Barrett, and uh, whereas President George Herbert Walker Bush appointed David Souter. And President Reagan appointed uh, uh, Sandra Day O'Connor. And uh, uh, President Trump... I'm sorry, is, is, 
Is Sandra Day O'Connor bad now? Is that where we finally gotten to with with Republicans and the Republican Party that we're now looking back at, at one of the most consequential moments and truly one of the great Supreme Court justices and saying that the appointment of the first woman, a Republican conservative from Arizona, that's that we now look back at that and say that was a mistake. If that's where. Well, the again, if you now, if you have this, no if you have this idea that politics is all about warfare, uh, that it's uh, about fighting and you want the most ferocious partisans on your side. Uh, Sandra Day O'Connor, I'm, I'm almost certain, was part of the Casey decision, which uh, preserved uh, the idea of a constitutional right to abortion. And uh, again, I, I think that people w- would talk about her judicial record. It certainly wasn't as... Um, strong and uncompromising as another Bush appointee, Clarence Thomas. Well, um, but um, if, I don't, if I don't you want to argue everything. No, I, I don't. By I'm, abortion, I'm, then I suppose there's a point. But remember, too, the idea that Donald Trump has any coherent judicial philosophy besides someone walking <laughs> in and saying, look, these are the people that, you know, this is a list that's been put together. You know, pick these people. Um, but I, I want to raise something about that, Michael, because I don't. I part of the reason I became a Republican back in the day was that I didn't like the fact that everything that liberals wanted to do, they wanted to do through the courts rather than through the legislature. Absolutely right. Donald Trump has completely Trump and the new Republicans have totally occupied that space now, where as you say, everything's about warfare and everything's about getting judges to do what you want those judges to do. Uh, something that conservatives once roundly rejected as activism as an abuse of power and and now it's just come down to we want what we want okay so where do republicans go from here that's the most important part of tom nichols uh very challenging column about the ongoing moral surrender to trump uh we will get to that and more coming up with tom nichols on the medved show Here's a flash from the Medved Show, a flash sale. We just added a 50% off opportunity to getting an annual basic Medhead subscription. Now that makes it just $29.95 per year. That breaks out to $2.50 per month. Go to promo code MEDHEAD at michaelmedved.com. That's michaelmedved.com, the promo code MEDHEAD. This is the Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, a pleasure to welcome to the show Tom Nichols, uh, who has written a uh, challenging piece that people need to come to terms with. It's uh, in the Atlantic. Uh, It is under the uh, headline, The GOP's Ongoing Moral Surrender to Trump. Conservative Republicans continue to abandon decency to defend Trump. Do you think that the crisis we have right now regarding uh, some kind of enhanced security on the border, that the inability to uh, allow very strong conservatives like uh, the senator from Oklahoma and 
and basically leaders of the conservative faction in the U.S. Senate, uh, Langford of Oklahoma, uh, the inability to even have those people negotiate a compromise increase in border security expenditures and uh, revising the the uh, regulations to make it more difficult for unauthorized immigrants to come into the country, that abandoning that because Trump has said it would be politically disadvantageous to him to give Biden that kind of victory, is that the kind of moral surrender you have in mind? It's one of many. I think it tells you uh, that, I mean, let's, let's remember, Lankford was censored by the Oklahoma Republican Party just for being involved in this. I mean, if, if, you know, former Baptist minister Jim Langford is just not enough for you, then maybe this isn't about politics. Um, and it suggests to me that the Republicans are not about policy. They don't really care about the border. They don't really care about um, funding for Ukraine or Israel or any place else. They, they simply want to uh, see someone you know, make Joe Biden and other people just unhappy with the outcome. But that's not that's. That's not what's good for the country. I mean, at some point, you know, Biden said yesterday, if you send or on Sunday, send me this bill, I'll sign it right now, which to me is actually not a victory for Biden. That's kind of a surrender. Um, But even surrendering isn't good enough because um, I think Republicans are not interested in governing. They're interested in resentment and revenge. But I think there's a deeper moral problem. I I wrote about Lankford in, as you know, in the piece you're talking about, and um, I'm writing about him again today where I think it's admirable and he should be credited for doing the right thing uh, on the border. And yet when he was asked about the Trump um, defamation suit, where Trump has been found liable for sexual abuse and liable twice now for defaming the person who was abused and assaulted, um, Langford sort of mumbled and kind of gave this mushy garble about not wanting to get involved in legal cases. There was once a time where Republicans would have been full-throated and morally clear about issues like that. And they can't risk it. Now, I mean, Lankford, you know, again, he's a former minister. Um, how, how do you back away from an issue like that um, when confronted by it? But that is the price Republicans pay to stay in power and to avoid tangles with um, the, the extreme faction that would come after them in primaries. And I think it's it's pathetic and I think it's tragic for because America what, needs what a about, conservative party. What about the idea that the more than 900 Americans who uh, have been uh, either convicted or they pleaded guilty and did some plea bargain for attacking police officers uh, on uh, January 6th, that those people are not uh, prisoners uh, they're not criminals. They're hostages. And, uh, and President I, Trump continues to talk about how they deserve uh, basically presidential pardons. Uh, yeah, I think can you believe that Republicans are in favor now of uh, amnesty? You'll pardon the expression for people who attack cops. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you know, when when we were kids, right? I mean, the Republicans were the party of law and order, um, and you know, the party of law enforcement. And that nine, uh, January sixth, um, and I agree with George Will. I think that should be seared into our hearts the same way nine eleven was. It was the first failed peaceful transfer of power in American history. Um, uh, you know, the the idea that this 
one day that was one of the worst days for injuries for law enforcement in the history of the United States, one of the worst single days for, for injuries to uh, law enforcement, um, that somehow now that these people are all um, hostages who should be pardoned is disgraceful. I think it's disgraceful. I think it's un-American. And I think, again, Trump is playing to the most feverish and extreme members of the Republican party um, simply to to try to make a run for the Oval Office to get away from his own legal troubles. Okay, so where do we go from here? Do you accept the conventional wisdom that Trump is all but certain to be the nominee? Yeah, um, barring a black swan event of some kind where, uh, you know, either a health crisis or some kind of legal development, um, I think he probably is, but I don't think that's any reason for the Republican Party to tell everybody else to drop out, uh, to tell Nikki Haley to drop out. Um, You know, she has a right to run uh, for president as much as anybody else does. But um, if the polls hold, I mean, they're going to head down into Trump strongholds in the South and the West, um, then he's the nominee of, of the party. And again, I think that's a tragedy. I think any Republican nominee would have been better for Americans. And I I, I say that even including Ron DeSantis, who I don't have any particular affection for. But any Republican nominee would have been a um, healthier for American democracy in November uh, in a contest with, with the Democrats than, than Donald Trump. But Republicans have it in their power to make this choice, but they're making a choice to go back with Donald Trump. And I think that tells you a lot about why the party is functionally dead. You have another column recently. Uh, under the heading, Trump wants revenge and so does his base. Given the fact mm-hmm. that he is offering his base the kind of revenge uh, they deeply desire, what do you say to those people to dissuade them from the value of revenge? I think if you are voting because you want political revenge for losing an election, if you want revenge on your fellow citizens for disagreeing with you, then I think you ought to take a long, hard look in the mirror and ask yourself what kind of citizen and what kind of person you've become. Uh, that's a terrific, terrific answer. Uh, Tom Nichols uh, is uh, always stimulating and uh, challenging uh, looking at the current political situation. I mentioned yesterday there was a strong article along the same lines as yours by Gerard Baker of the Wall Street Journal, who also talked about the once upon a time identity of the Republican Party as the party of personal integrity and of character. And uh, we have gone from character counts to character is irrelevant, or so it would seem. Uh, When we come back, we'll take a look at some of the uh, character or lack thereof shown in these rather spectacular and confrontational uh, questions for the uh, leaders of uh, big tech Uh, facing the United States Senate and the Senate Judiciary Committee. Uh, We will get to that and to more coming up on the Medved Show. Here's a special disc. A trash talker. This is the Michael Medved Show. And on the Michael Medved Show, uh, big battles in the U.S. Senate. One of them 
uh, a battle that really isn't specifically about legislation or policy, uh, but it is uh, gives a chance to people who have suffered a great deal because of the irresponsibility of some of the social media platforms that are used out there. Um, that uh, gave some of those people who were gathered together, uh, some of them uh, parents who had lost children in particular, uh, to addiction through partially their social media accounts, uh, through child exploitation, uh, child sexuality. Um, uh, Josh Hawley, uh, the senator from Missouri, uh, went off today uh, against Mark Zuckerberg and uh, forced him to stand up, uh, turn around, and apologize to some of these families who were gathered at these hearings, uh, families that were impacted by child exploitation on meta platforms. Uh, listen, clip three. So you didn't take any action. You didn't take any action. You didn't fire anybody. You haven't compensated a single victim. Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. There's families of victims here today. Have you apologized to the victims? Would you like to do so now? Well, they're here. You're on national television. Would you like now to apologize to the victims who have been harmed by your product? Show them the pictures. Would you like to apologize for what you've done to these good people? I'm sorry. And again, not 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 particularly um, dramatic. In, and heartfelt in terms of his apology. I, I think the, the difficulty with all of these uh, hearings and all of these confrontations, and this is only the latest of a series, they've been doing this for a while, is that it's very easy to look at um, social media and some of the excesses and some of the things that uh, are out of control and have a negative impact on our lives, but Again, if if you believe in something like free enterprise, uh, isn't it a little bit scary to see the government come uh, down uh, on on basically uh, these details about? In other words, is this really a, a job for the U.S. Senate? Because I am not at all sure that. Uh, you you fix this situation uh, as as quickly or as easily as some of these senators would suggest. Senator Marsha Blackburn, who is one of those people, uh, she's 71 years old, and that's the big count against her as Trump's running mate. But she has been widely discussed as one of those people who are on the short list. Uh, she also confronted uh, Mark Zuckerberg concerning, in particular, uh, sex trafficking and uh, sex trafficking on his site. Uh, clip 16. Senator, our, our tools for identifying that kind of content are industry leading. That doesn't mean we're perfect. There are definitely issues that we have. 
but we continue Mr. to Zuckerberg, it. yes, there are I, a lot that is slipping through. It appears that you're trying to be the premier sex trafficking Of course site not, Senator. In this uh, country. Senator, that's ridiculous. No, is, is it Senator, is not ridiculous. Uh, you want to turn around this. and tell these people that— We don't want this content on our platforms. And we, why don't you take it down? We do take we it down. We are here discussing— We, do we more need work you to take all to than, work than, with than, us. Than, no, you're not. Again— uh, this is a, a note uh, just got from Jeremy, and I think it makes a tremendously important point. He says, I'm no fan of Facebook meta, but is there not a role for parents? For years, conservatives have said it's their sole responsibility to raise their kids. Can't have it both ways. Now we want the government, the nanny state, to care for our kids when it comes to their l- exposure to or involvement with uh, social media. Uh, Tom Cotton, uh, senator from Arkansas, uh, also grilled the TikTok CEO, Xiao Chu about his nationality. And this not entirely, uh, not entirely comfortable moment in the hearings today. Uh, listen. You live in Singapore. Of what nation are you a citizen? Singapore. Are Senator. you a citizen of any other nation? No, Senator. Have you ever applied for Chinese citizenship? Senator, I serve my nation I've in asked, Singapore. I, no, I, I did not. Do you have a Singaporean passport? Yes, and I served my military for two, two and a half ha- years in Singapore. Do you, have any other, do you have any other passports from any other nation? No, Senator. Your wife is an American citizen. Your children are American citizens. That's have correct. You, have you ever applied for American citizenship? Not, no, not yet. Okay. Have you ever been a member of the Chinese Communist Party? Senator, I'm Singaporean, no. Have you ever been associated or affiliated with the Chinese Communist Party? No, Senator, again, okay. I'm Singaporean. Let me ask you some hopefully simple questions. You said earlier, in response to a question, that what happened at Tiananmen Square in June of 1989 was a massive protest. Did anything else happen in Tiananmen Square? Yes, I think it's well documented. There was a massacre. Uh, there was a, yeah. an indiscriminate <laughs> slaughter of hundreds or thousands of Chinese citizens. Do you agree with the Trump administration and the Biden administration that the Chinese government is committing genocide against the Uyghur people? Senator, I've said this before. I think it's really important that anyone who cares about this topic or any topic can freely express themselves on TikTok. It's a very simple question that unites both parties in our country and governments around the world. Is the Chinese government committing genocide against the Uyghur people? Senator, anyone, including, you know, you can come into yes, TikTok yes, and sir, talk yes, about this topic. I'm asking you, yes, or any topic no. you are a worldly, to cosmopolitan, well-educated man who's expressed many opinions on many topics. Is the Chinese government committing genocide against the Uyghur people? Actually, Senator, I talk mainly about my company, and I'm yes, here to yes, talk sir, about what yes, TikTok no. does. Yes or no. You're here, we give, allow- you're here to give testimony that is truthful and honest and complete. Okay. Uh- this this is sort of winsworthy because the formulation, remember, we used to have the old House on american Activities Committee uh, where their big classic question is, are you now or have you ever been a member of the Communist Party? And look, okay, during the time that they were asking questions like that, there was a difficulty with uh, hidden connections and uh, people who had... A uh, an allegiance 
to the international communist movement and that uh, in the case that they were American citizens, as this gentleman is not, but he has a wife and children who are. And when he was asked about has he become an American citizen, he said not yet. Uh, but it, it, it seems to me that, that uh, this idea uh, of, of trying to have a forced public uh, condemnation of Chinese foreign policy. Uh, and, and then there is uh, this, uh, because Josh Hawley continued the uh, approach to the CEO of TikTok. Uh, we will get to that coming up. And also the latest on the impeachment attempt against Alejandro Mayorkas. It is completely misguided. It is wrong-headed. Uh, it is slammed today in an uh, editorial in the Wall Street Journal. Uh, what is it that Republicans are hoping to achieve by launching another failed impeachment attempt? We've had too many of those, including the failed impeachments against President Trump. We'll be right back on The Medved Show. So uh, this uh, conversation that occurred, uh, and it really wasn't a conversation, it was a performance with uh, a number of Republican senators like Marsha Blackburn and uh, uh, Josh Hawley and uh, the others uh, being able to get some good airtime and to make themselves look good and concerned about something that Americans are right to be concerned about. We, we've talked on this show many, many times. And I've been writing about this issue for, God, I hate to say it, it's like 40 years, uh, about the impact of media generally. And this is before social media began. Uh, the fact that uh, people get an impression of reality based on what they see on TV. It's one of the reasons that the big impact uh, is not that people see something on TV and then they imitate it. It's not monkey see, monkey do. It's that the constant imagery that uh, seeps in from uh, mass media entertainment and particularly from social media helps to define reality for young people. It's the way you look at the world. And given the fact that the kind of... Uh, material that really gets clicks and gets attention is very often deeply sexualized, is very often uh, uh, deeply connected to violence and dysfunction and self-destructive behavior. And uh, again, all of that changes the perceptions of reality, particularly of young people. And um, the, uh, the now who did say that uh, actually it's me <laughs> and uh, Jeremy just found this who said this which is profound and timely we spend too much time fretting over the way the industry produces programming and too little time worrying about the way the public consumes it 
that's a, a quote by me. <laughs> and uh, that was actually on a Starbucks cup. Uh, they had asked me to uh, to contribute a, a quotation. They had a series, and they had a quotation by my wife as well. By the way, my wife is going to be doing one of her marriage webinars this afternoon. Uh, you just go to completely free at uh, 3.30, uh, pardon me, I think it's 4 o'clock uh, uh, in uh, Pacific Time, so 7 o'clock Eastern Time. Uh, but the subject uh, this time on the Joy of Marriage webinar series that she does uh, is going to be uh, the three reasons to get married and to stay married. And uh, that's available. Just go to Barry Shore. Uh, dot com forward slash uh, marriage and uh, you can uh, watch that streaming webinar this afternoon um, meanwhile uh, yesterday and and uh, just in in terms of what the senators were speaking about I haven't seen all of the hearings maybe there was one of the conservative senators who said the right thing, which I hope is true. But part of the right thing is that in terms of parents resisting uh, this kind of unwholesome material, which does exist too much uh, on social media, parents are equipped with one of the most powerful tools known to the entire media industry. And that tool is the off switch. And uh, again, sometimes um, we're just talking about this recently. Uh, when you you have young kids or grandkids, uh, it's very, very much worthwhile to simply not turn them loose into uh, the world of distorted media imagery but to take your responsibilities as a parent seriously. Not always easy, but um, again, uh, I'm, I'm proud of my children who, uh, who are, are following uh, this, this idea very directly with our young grandchildren. Um, Senator Josh Hawley was also um, uh, extremely critical of the CEO of the Chinese-owned uh, TikTok. Uh, listen, this is clip one. Why should your platform not be banned in the United States of America? You are owned by a Chinese communist company or a company based in China. The editor-in-chief of your parent company is a Communist Party secretary. Your company has been surveilling Americans for years. According to leaked audio from more than 80 internal TikTok meetings, China-based employees of your company have repeatedly accessed non-public data of United States citizens. Your company has tracked journalists improperly gaining access to their IP addresses, user data, in an attempt to identify whether they're writing negative stories about you. Why should your, your platform is basically an espionage arm for the Chinese Communist Party. Why should you not be banned in the United States of America? Senator, I disagree with your characterization. Many of what you have said, we have explained in a lot of detail. 
TikTok is, is used by 170 million Americans. I know, and every single uh, one of those Americans are in danger from the fact that you track their keystrokes, you track their app usage, you track their location data, and we know that all of that information can be accessed by Chinese employees who are subject to the diktats of the Chinese Communist Party. That, that why, not, why should you not be banned in this in this country? Uh, Senator, that is not accurate. A, a lot of what you describe we collect, we don't. It is 100% accurate. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then uh, the uh, CEO of Snapchat, uh, Evan Spiegel, uh, also did one of those apologies, which this uh, session of the uh, Senate Judiciary Committee was very involved in staging. And uh, the uh, Snapchat apology sounded like this. Mr. Spiegel, um, there are a number of parents whose children have been able to access uh, illegal drugs on your platform. What do you say to those parents? Well, uh, Senator, we are devastated that we cannot... To the parents. What do you say to those parents, Mr. Spiegel? I'm so sorry that we have not been able to prevent these tragedies. We work very hard to block all search terms related to drugs from our platform. We proactively look for and detect drug-related content. We remove it from our platform, preserve it as evidence, we, and then we refer it to law enforcement uh, for action. We've worked together with nonprofits and with families on education campaigns because the scale of the fentanyl epidemic is extraordinary. Over 100,000 people lost their lives last year, and we believe people need to know that one pill can kill. That campaign reached more than 200, was viewed more than 260 million times on Snapchat. We also Mr. Launched- Spiegel, there are two fathers in this room who lost their sons. They're 16 years old. Their children were able to get those pills from Snapchat. I know that there are statistics and I know that there are good efforts. None of those efforts are keeping our kids from getting access to those drugs on your platform. Okay, uh, the, the difficulty here, and again, what is going to be the follow-up to any of this? And the one thing that is positive, it seems to me, about uh, at, at least having millions of people tune in to this kind of confrontation is to encourage uh, adults and uh, for those adults to pass that on to the next generations to be more discriminating in, in terms of the use of uh, social media for yourselves and certainly for children and others. Uh, We also have to be more discriminating in terms of uh, using the tool of impeachment. Uh, The uh, Republicans appear to be absolutely dead set on pursuing the impeachment of the Secretary of Homeland Security, Alejandro Mayorkas, who... um, again, is, has served the Biden administration uh, in this position of secretary. He has executed Biden's policies. And by the way, Biden's policies have been a disaster. I think that the uh, desire to change, to criticize, uh, to confront Biden's policies is terrifically healthy. But not every policy disagreement, not any policy disagreement should be the subject for impeachment. Impeachment is based upon committing high crimes and misdemeanors. 
And the idea that uh, Alejandro Mayorkas, by following the instructions of his president, uh, who appointed him, and where he was confirmed in the Senate on a bipartisan vote, uh, this is not going to end well. But we will talk about it as well and openly as we can in this greatest nation on God's green earth.